Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And our title is Finding Rest While Under Pressure. Finding Rest While Under Pressure. And I'm so glad you're here. Uh, there's a lot of pressure right now with the pandemic of COVID-19 uh, around the world, having so many of us in shelter in place. And, and there's really two primary areas that we're under great pressure. The first, of course, is our relationship with God. The second is our relationships with people. And uh, you know, so we try to do a number of podcasts uh, connected to our relationship with God. We've talked about four ways to flourish amidst continual chaos. Talked about a rule of life, journeying through the collective dark night of the soul, leading through loss. Uh, and last week, I, we did one on relations with people, which is another huge issue of stress in our spiritual lives because we're living in tight quarters. Uh, and a lot of cracks are being revealed in our discipleship. And uh, I know we're in day 35 right now, and we have at least another 25 plus uh, where we're located here. Uh, and so Jerry and I last week talked about clarifying expectations and why clarifying expectations will save your life and leadership. And uh, the felt need was so great that uh, it was actually our greatest download total of any one day uh, with the release of a podcast. So we will we'll do a number of other podcasts related to discipleship around relationships. And so, uh, again, let me encourage you to uh, as I launch into this, to, to get yourself uh, at our website, emotionallyhealthy.org, uh, and uh, get that training on level one of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. It's all free for you, the videos as well. And uh, it's just a critical time right now for formation in Him, learning to be still before Him. And we want to utilize this time, uh, I believe, as the people of God, uh, to get ourselves more deeply equipped in Jesus so we can be a gift to the world around us. So again, that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash lead. But today I want to talk to you about a text coming out of Isaiah 36 and 37, uh, where we observe Hezekiah, the great King Hezekiah, uh, in the midst of a siege coming from the Assyrian Empire, as he basically finds rest under pressure. And uh, he does a number of things here that are just brilliant. So let's just dive into this and uh, make some applications for where we're living today. And so uh, what's happening here in his tremendous pressure and stress is the Assyrian Empire, the year is about 703 BC, which is the greatest empire in the world at that time, uh, has been annihilating all the countries around Israel. And now uh, he's actually invaded Israel and he has wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. And now he's around Judah, the southern kingdom, and he has captured all the major cities of Judah except Jerusalem. And he has just taken the largest military installation uh, of uh, the, the kingdom of Israel here, southern kingdom of Judah, and now he's encamped around Jerusalem and he's got them under a siege. And so what he does is uh, the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, sends a senior staff member to the walls of Jerusalem uh, with hundreds of thousands of soldiers, uh, basically calling them to surrender. And uh, he doesn't want to lay siege to the city because of the enormous cost of money and energy and people. Uh, so he wants to convince them to surrender. And so what he does in chapter 36 is he sends a spokesperson to speak clearly so all the uh, Israelites can hear it, all the soldiers can hear it on the um, at the wall, and basically says six times, in, in so many words, on what are you basing this confidence of yours to stand up against me? 
uh, and basically, what kind of faith do you have? Uh, it's not your God is not working for you. And and he basically points out the fact that if you don't have military resources, you don't have the soldiers, uh, you're on crutches, you're depending on Egypt, and Egypt I've already conquered them. Uh, and you think you've got some horses and chariots? Uh, they're nothing, a couple of thousand next to what I've got here. And your little Palestinian, your little country there in the Middle East does not stand a chance. And then he says, the Lord told me to march against your country and destroy it. Uh, and then he threatens that they're going to eat their own excrement, drink their own urine. And uh, by them trusting in God, they are, are going to be destroyed. And so he tells them, don't listen to King Hezekiah, uh, who's telling you to trust in God. Your God is not going to come through for you, but I'm going to bless you. I'll give you peace and plenty uh, and just surrender to me and you will be blessed. And so if you think of pressure, imagine yourself. Uh, inside the walls of Jerusalem, you've got an army, and some scholars say, you know, up to three, four hundred, maybe five hundred thousand soldiers surrounding you that want to uh, invade and basically kill everybody or take them off as slaves. Talk about pressure. And uh, they're, they're squeezed. And so here at this moment, uh, it, it, it's great pressure. A cho- choices have to be made. And Hezekiah, the king, uh, takes leadership. And he does four things. And actually, this is recorded then in verse in chapter 37. I encourage you to read Isaiah 36 and 37 when you get a chance, uh, because it's such a beautiful, amazing uh, text in Isaiah. Uh, so in Isaiah 37, 14 to 20, we see he does four things that are brilliant. And I want to invite you to do the same things. I'm choosing to do the same things uh, right now, because uh, like you, I get ambushed by anxiety with this uh, uh what feels like an interminable pandemic or one that just keeps kind of rolling and some countries are opening up and they have a second wave and uh, the implications of what we're in right now are so long lasting. Now there's pressure and stress stress in general in life. And what's interesting, one of the theme words in the book of Revelation is thalipsis, uh, which is the word for great pressure, uh, uh, tribulation. And I believe we're under that right now. And so uh, Hezekiah does four things. Let me invite you to join me in doing these four things uh, before the Lord for yourself. The first is Hezekiah remains connected to God. Uh, he, he remains connected to God. And what he does here, uh, the first thing he does, he goes into the sanctuary to the throne of God and he prays. So he, he, he makes a choice uh, to stay connected to the living God. Uh, and what happens under pressure is we're stripped of so many non-essentials, so much false self. Uh, and he, and uh, we freak out, we, we panic, uh, we, we often don't think about God, and we can compartmentalize. And so it's true, some people get closer to God under pressure and tribulation, others go further away. We freeze, flight, flee. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's a battle. And so Hezekiah remains, and he, he's doing John 15. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit. And uh, I think we often underestimate that we really are in a spiritual warfare. There are satanic powers at work in through the culture to cut you off and to cut me off from remaining in a life of communion uh, with the living God. And, and and Satan is referred to many different names in scripture, one of which is he, he's an accuser. Uh, he brings legal accusation to accuse before our God day and night. That's the image given in Revelation 12. And you know, it sounds like this. We get these voices in our heads. He, he, he sends lies and misinformation to, re- to misrepresent God, much like uh, the spokesperson for the Assyrian emperor is doing. 
uh, to God's people here in Isaiah uh, 36 and 37. You, know, you hear voices like, God's not for you. Look at your life. Look at all the problems you've got. This is going to be a disaster. You know, God's not good. If God was good and all-powerful, why would there be this pandemic? He's not really on the throne. Look at all the suffering around you. And, uh, you know, look at, all, look at all the joy and opportunities you're missing out on in life. And, uh, you know, this God, he's not really real. It's all in your head there. And you've made him up. It comes from fairy tales. You're like Peter Pan here. This has nothing to do with real life. Look at real life. Look what's going on around you. And you're banking on God as being trustworthy, but but uh, maybe he's not, and uh, et cetera. And, and we get and these, these, these inner voices come to us. And then we got this, then accusations come as well. Uh, you know, you're a bum, you're worthless, you're unlovable. That's why this is happening. And you should be afraid. Look what you've done. You think this is probably punishment for your sins and everybody's sins. And you don't deserve to be in leadership and et cetera, et cetera. And you think you're really a Christian. You're cursed. And look at all these bad things happening to you. And and, and those voices, and, and they come at different levels of intensity to all of us. And there are definitely seasons where um, you could almost feel the breath of the evil one. Uh, and we are in the midst of a great battle. Uh, and so deceiving words as well as accusations are coming. And, 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 and they came head on to Hezekiah here in Isaiah 36 and 37. Uh, and, and what he does is he, he, he chooses uh, to remain. And uh, I, you know, we talked about a rule of life a couple of podcasts ago and getting some structure in our life so that we're, we're spending time with God. And I, I think one of the most critical practices right now is stillness and silence before the Lord along with Scripture. And so what Hezekiah does is he, he goes to God and he spreads out this nasty letter uh, that was sent to him to not trust in God. He spreads it out before the Lord. And then he does a second thing. So he goes to God. And the second thing is he acknowledges reality. I mean, there's no denial in him. Uh, and he, he repeats, you know, how bad it is that he's surrounded. And uh, he, he acknowledges that the Assyrians have wasted everybody. Uh, and over now 46 cities in Israel, he's wiped out. And uh, I don't know if he counted them or what, but, uh, you know, just whatever pressure you're feeling right now, just just lay it before God. It, and if spirituality is anything, it is reality. Uh, it's not immersion in an illusion. And uh, I, you know, trusting the Lord uh, is hard. Absolutely. It's always been challenging. Uh, but spirituality is not denying what is. Uh, it's actually a lack of faith to acknowledge what's true. And I did that for years before emotionally healthy discipleship. <clears throat> I would say things like, I don't like the details. I'm a big picture guy and I'm an optimist. I just believe God and I'm not in trouble and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And <clears throat> I, I, I wasn't in it. And yet, if we look at scripture is, is, is written by real people in real challenges. And I think of David in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and Jesus was very much in reality said the same prayer at the cross in Gethsemane, really struggled. I think of Job and his wild prayers and Jeremiah and his lamentations and the whole book of lamentations. And But but scripture, it, it calls us and invites us to, let's look at what's really happening. I think at this pandemic and the tragedy and the sadness, everything from people's lives being lost to uh, healthcare workers on, on the front line to, you know, to the economic implications as it spreads around the world is just, it's painful. And I think we do carry with us uh, two simultaneous uh, emotions as Christ followers. One is we grieve the great loss is going on around us. We, we're there. We're still in that sadness. At the same time, we have this sense of in, in the reality that 
there's there's birthing going on that God is birthing some new things out of this pain. We don't know what they are, but we trust God who is a God of the living. He's alive uh, and he always brings something new out of the old. But but we're in the reality and we and we hold this at the same time, this certainty of the living God uh, who out of these birth pangs will bring something fresh at some point. We just don't know when and how and what that will look like. So he does two things. First, he trusts God. He remains. That's, he, stay, he goes to God. Secondly, he acknowledges reality of what's actually happening around him. But then thirdly, he seeks wise counsel uh, also. And it, it says he goes to the prophet Isaiah for counsel. Uh, he, he, he seeks out Isaiah. And you know it was Solomon who said that the, a wise person, to make right decisions, you need to invite other people in the process. It's a whole theme of the book of Proverbs. You know, a, 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 the way of a fool seems right to him, it says in Proverbs twelve fifteen. but a wise man listens to advice. Or plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You know, Proverbs 15, 22. Then Proverbs 20, 18, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. And then 28, 26 of Proverbs says, he who trusts in himself is a fool. And, and so there's a, there's a principle of seeking wise counsel. Now, 75% of the people I know get in messes, messes that they would not have gotten into if they had just invited some other people in the process, whether it's in a relationship with someone or their finances. Uh, they're just making assumptions that aren't true. But then some of us got counsel, but it was bad counsel. And I, I, I think of the, the classic case in scripture is Rehoboam, uh, one of the sons of Solomon who split the kingdom because he got bad counsel. And I've gotten bad counsel from good people uh, and uh, who are well-intentioned. But that's why all counsel has got to be sifted and discerned. And uh, I was told to to get out of a couple of crucible, two, two moments, key moments in my, in my journey with Jesus as a leader, where I got counsel to basically jump ship. And uh, they were well-meaning, uh, but it just wasn't God for me. And uh, so you want to choose the right people. And by right people, I'm talking about those who have nothing to lose by telling you the truth. Uh, but someone who's, who really wants you to be what God wants you to be. And, and, and they're ahead of you. They're, they, they've been there and they've been ahead of you spiritually, or maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's financially, maybe it's in your life. But you want to look for someone who's further down the road than you are. Uh, you know, If you're in a money hole, you don't want to go to someone who's in a deeper hole than you are uh, and go to them and say, what should I do? Uh, you want to seek out wise counsel. So what does that mean for right now in this in this tension of the pandemic and the pressure? I think you really want to seek out you know wise men and women uh, who have walked with God for a longer time. I mean, I appreciate you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully, I'm one of the voices that you're hearing. But there's a number of wise men and women out there uh, who have walked with God for a very long time. Uh, I, I think of the way we're even listening to... Uh, you know, infectious disease specialists uh, in our different countries uh, who have wisdom regarding at least pandemics. Uh, but we're seeking wise counsel in different areas. But especially spiritually right now, we need it. Uh, and not necessarily running after the latest conspiracy theory or, you know, a Hail Mary pass. Uh, that's just not coming out of a place of deep wisdom. Then the fourth thing he does is this. So, so he remains in God. He acknowledges reality. He seeks wise counsel, goes to Isaiah. Boy, he picked a wise counsel. Uh, and then thirdly, and then finally, the fourth thing he does is he waits. Uh, he waits and he cries out and he says this beautiful words, deliver us. 
uh, it's actually stronger than the word delivery. You know, God, he doesn't tell God how to do it or what to do or when to do it or through whom to do it. He says, God, deliver us. And it's the word for, you know, it's like to save us. And, uh, and he waits on the Lord. He, he leaves it there. And he's not looking for explanations. He's not looking for, uh, again, a strategy. He's, he's, in, he's in worship. He's in love. He's in gratitude. And he's holding that space uh, before the God. And it says in, later in the text that that evening or one of the evenings, the Assyrian army, which had hundreds of thousands of people, in one night, you know, God slays 185,000 Assyrians. Uh, it's a supernatural event. No one sees it or it's not explained. But God strikes a resurrection comes. Uh, and the point is, God is involved in the world. God does intervene. Jesus is alive. God invades history. And I think of even something, a massive event like the exile that happened to the Israelites being carried off by the Babylonians. Uh, God did birth something tremendous. It took decades. I mean, Jesus, the Messiah, came out of that, but it wasn't like overnight. I don't know God's timetable in this, but I do know this. Jesus is alive. The key for us is to let God be God. And let this be training for us to be completely dependent on him, that we can trust him to care for our needs. And he's a 10,000 times better than we can ever take care of us. Sumon Kidd, uh, the author, writes in one of her books, When the Heart Waits, uh, when she was with a monk. And, and here's a dialogue. It's a beautiful uh, uh, conversation. She says to the monk, I can't get used to the idea of doing nothing. At that point, he breaks into a wonderful grin. Well, that's the problem right here, young lady. You've bought into the cultural myth that when you're waiting, you're doing nothing. And then he took his hands and he placed them on my shoulders, she writes, and he looked straight into my eyes and he said, I hope you'll hear what I'm about to tell you. I hope you'll hear it all the way down to your toes. When you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. You're doing the most important something there is. You're allowing your soul to grow up. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. Say it again. You're allowing your soul to grow up. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. That's why Simone Weil wrote years ago, waiting patiently in expectation is the, is the strong foundation to a great life. And what appears catastrophic is actually God's foundation laying in your life. We think of Abraham waiting with you know years, decades. We think of Moses for 40 years, Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus waiting, you know, tens of thousands of years to actually till he came to earth and then waiting till he was 30 to actually launch his ministry, not striving or rushing. Because for the Lord a thousand days years are like a day. Uh, and so we wait and we wait as God forms us and this is unquestionably a time of deep formation for you and deep formation for me. And there is revelation and insight and wisdom that God has for you. Now, let me close with this beautiful verse, a uh, couple of verses from Isaiah chapter 30. And it's a text. Uh, some of you may know it, uh, but it sums up this beautiful passage of what Hezekiah did to find rest while in pressure, under pressure. And Isaiah writes this, and, he, and he's writing actually, actually to Israel under great pressure, and he says this, In repentance and rest is your salvation, 
in quietness and trust is your strength. Again, Isaiah 30, 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And actually, if you read the rest of the passage there in Isaiah 30, uh, Isaiah says, but you would have none of it. You went running after horses and chariots and etc. Then, then God comes back and says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Blessed are all who wait on him. And, and basically, God's waiting for you. Uh, you know, we say, how long, Lord, how long? And God's answer is, no, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for you to respond to me so I, I can respond to you. In other words, I, I'm here. And I just love this text in, in repentance and, and rest. And again, the word repentance is basically sit, stay at home, uh, kind of like Mary, Mary at the feet of Jesus, and, and, and rest is your salvation. Somehow, this idea of turning to God and Actually, the word in Hebrew there is to relax, you know, to take it easy uh, instead of chasing after the wind. Uh, it's actually the absence of anxiety and frenzy. It's not about being irresponsible. What Isaiah calls them to, and actually in this text, is, is initiative and responsibility. But to recognize that your success does not depend on any plan or, or program. It's, it's, it's God. And that exists in quietness and trust is your strength. And that word for quietness is in settling down. And trust, being at ease, is your strength. What an what a amazing verse. And so, so we get a profound insight into the heart of God, that he is the God who, we, we don't just wait on him. He's a God who waits for us. He, he's waiting for you, and, and he's coming to you now. In the midst of your situation and my situation, in the midst of the pandemic, he's coming. And, and uh, he, he longs to be gracious to you. Uh, he rises to show you compassion. Blessed are all who wait for him. So let's do this. Let's take a moment. And let me invite you to rest and relax in the presence of God. And let's close with a, a, a few minutes of being still and silent before the Lord. So let me, let me invite you first to just become aware of your breath. You know, breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and, and breathe out. And as you breathe in, just receive as, you know, God is the author of breath. He's the one who keeps us alive. And as you breathe in, you know, breathe in the very life of God flowing into the center of your being. And then breathe out, you know, as the Lord saying, Lord, as you breathe in, the Lord saying, I love you, and his life flowing into you, all grace through the blood of Jesus. And as you breathe out, essentially you're, you're surrendering, you're opening your palms up towards heaven. You say, I love you, Lord. And really, it's a it's a this is a moment of loving union, of oneness with him, of remaining in him. So again, take a deep breath in. Receiving the flow of his love and his person in you. And then breathe out, in our offering yourself to him. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So really there's four words there, but they're really all inviting us to the same thing, which is relax, rest, 
trust settling down. So I'm going to read it, the, the verse, Isaiah 30, 15, two more times. I'm going to read it slowly. And I want you just to be listening for maybe one word, maybe two words that strike you and that address you, that are drawing your attention. And I want to invite you to repeat it to yourself. You know, and ask yourself, what thoughts or feelings arise? What's being offered to you by God? And then simply dwell in the presence of God. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Again, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Isaiah 30, 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. The love of God is the foundation of your existence and my existence. We are cherished by the infinite love of God. If we can rest in this center that you're chosen, you're welcomed, God's got a purpose for you and in you and through you, and we realize its power, we are safe. More than one scholar has translated the word, we're saved as we're safe. We can let go of fear and live in a place of radical trust. That's what Hezekiah did. He chose trust, rest, quietness and the presence of God and the Lord in his time delivered him and so shall he do for you for the church around the world and for the glory of the name of Jesus so may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine on you and may the Lord enlarge your heart wherever you are right now and may he increase your capacity to receive his love. May by the Holy Spirit, he enlarge your soul to rest, to be quiet before him, and to find and experience the power and the strength of Almighty God. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Great to be with you.